So please do open up your Bible. And uh, we're not going to be focusing on all the 18 verses this morning. You probably guessed that. This morning we're just going to be focusing on verses 1 to 3. So you can keep referring to verses 1 to 3 as we look at this together. But let's pray and ask that God would speak to us just now through his word. Lord, would you open up our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit just now so that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is that you want to say to us this day. Give us ears that are open and hearts that are open to hearing from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love Christmas, and uh, my guess is that many of you love Christmas. And one of the things that I've realized is that in Northern Ireland, everyone loves to celebrate Christmas. It's something I'm seeing more and more and more. Now, what I mean by that is that even though Christmas is a, a Christian celebration, even though it's something that we as Christians delight in because it's about the birth of Jesus, what I'm seeing is that people who don't believe what we believe about Jesus still seem to now love celebrating Christmas. I have a friend, I've got to know him through Free Food Friday, and he's a, a Muslim from North Sudan. You don't get a much more Muslim country than that. And I was chatting to him, and I was talking about Christmas, and he said to me, he says, yes, Marty, he says, my family and I, we celebrate Christmas. And I said, really? You celebrate Christmas? He says, yes, he says, since we've come to Northern Ireland, we celebrate Christmas because we respect Jesus as a prophet. This Muslim friend of mine, he celebrates Christmas because he believes that the baby in the manger was a prophet, one sent from God to tell people God's message. And then I've got loads and loads of friends who are not religious in the slightest. And they love celebrating Christmas. They love the parties. They love the food. They love the music. They love all of that good stuff. And for them, it doesn't really matter who Jesus is because it's not really about Jesus. You see, for most of my friends and for a lot of my family, Jesus was just a normal wee boy born 2,000 years ago or so. Yes, he was influential. Yes, he might have said some amazing things. Yes, his teaching has changed the world. But he's just an influential person from history. The little baby in the manger was just a normal person like you or like me. But everyone loves to celebrate Christmas, regardless of who they think the baby in the manger was. But here at the beginning of John's Gospel, John, it's like he's pulling back a curtain and he's revealing something that is absolutely incredible. Because in verses 1 to 3, what John is doing is he's revealing the real identity of the baby in the manger. He's revealing the real identity of Jesus. And what I want you to know this morning is that if you get what John is saying in these verses, you should find what he says mind-boggling. It should be baffling to you. It should be mysterious to you. It should be miraculous to you. It should make your head melt a little bit. And this morning, that's what I hope to do. I hope to melt your brain a little bit of who Jesus really is as we look at John 1 verses 1 to 3. And the first thing that we see John says is that he says that this baby in the manger, that he says that, that Jesus is the Word do you see it there? 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that has been made. But you see it over and over and over again, the Word, the Word, the Word. Jesus is the Word. Now you're looking at me just now and thinking, okay, Morty, I see that John says that Jesus is the Word, but what does that mean? What's the big deal about him being the Word? It doesn't really connect with us, that saying, does it? The Word means very little to us. But at the time that John wrote this gospel, the Word was a miraculous, marvelous, mind-boggling type of concept. You see, John, he wrote to, to two groups of people. The first group of people he was writing to were people who were Jews. People with a, a Jewish background, they had grown up learning the Scriptures, our Old Testament. They knew about God, and they knew about the world, and they knew about the life, all through what the Scriptures, the Old Testament, had taught. They believed that God had made the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and they believed that God was in control of His world. But they also had a very special place for the term, the Word. Because what the Jews believed was that God did things through his word. The Jews believed that God acted in powerful ways through his word. God's word was powerful. God's word fulfilled God's purposes. And you can see a little bit about this in the book of Isaiah. Here's a little passage which tells us something, which gives us a glimpse into what the Jews believed about the word. Isaiah says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower, and bread for the eater. Now look at this bit in the green. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Do you see what God says here? He says that his word is like the snow and the rain. It comes down from heaven. And he says that his word accomplishes his purposes on earth. And then he said that his word returns to him, having done what he sent it to do. For the Jews the Word was the thing that God would use to fulfill His purposes on earth. And so when John says, in the beginning was the Word, those with Jewish ears would have perked up and said, the Word? I better listen to what John has to say here. He's about to tell me about someone who's come to fulfill the purposes of God. But the other group of people listening to John were not Jews, they were Gentiles. And if you're wondering what a Gentile is, it's anybody else who wasn't a Jew, so it's, it's many of us here this morning. It's us. It's people who didn't grow up with the Bible. It's people who didn't grow up with the Scriptures. It's people who aren't really sure exactly what they believe about God and, and the world. It's people who are trying to work it all out. And the Gentiles at this time, they were influenced by Greek philosophy and Greek poets. That was their scriptures, if you like. It was the, the Greek philosophers and poets. And you'll have heard of some of these guys. Let me see. I wonder, have you heard of these folks? Socrates, have you heard of Socrates? And Plato? And Homer? He was one of the great poets of the time. 
just as an aside, a, a couple of weeks ago there was a, a TV show on, I think it was maybe The Chase or one of those programs. And the question was this, in his epic poem, what does Homer say is the food of the gods? And the guy answered, donuts. Uh, <laughs> he had completely the wrong Homer. Uh, but, but these guys, they, they wrote about the gods. They, they wrote about the world as they saw it. And they were trying to figure everything out. And there was a, a very famous philosopher called Heraclitus. And he lived in the 6th century BC. So 600 years before Jesus. And as Heraclitus wrote about the world, he wrote about how it was always changing. He wrote about how it seemed to be in a state of chaos, how anything could happen at any moment. And Heraclitus, he was really troubled by this. And he asked the question, and the question was this. How can there be order in a world of chaos? How can there be order in a world that is always changing? And Heraclitus, he came up with the answer, and the answer is what he called the Word. He said that there was a God, a supreme God, and that this supreme God had a Word, the Word, and the Word kept everything in order. The Word kept the universe spinning. The Word brought order out of chaos. And the Gentiles, they were obsessed with the word, trying to understand the word and know more about the word. But if you asked a Gentile, how do the stars not fall from the heavens? They would say the word keeps them up there. What is it that keeps the world in order? The Gentiles would say it's the word, it's the word, it's the word. Here's what Plato one time said about the word. He wrote, it may be that someday there will come forth from God a word, a logos, who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. Now, can you see how powerful what John is saying here as he opens up his letter, his gospel, his message? He says, listen up, Jews, and listen up, everyone else. In the beginning was the word. And everyone said, tell us about this, John. Tell us about the Word. Folks, do you see what, what John is saying about Jesus? Even just through that little term, the Word. First of all, he's saying that Jesus is someone who has been sent by God to fulfill a purpose. Not just a baby, not just a prophet, but someone sent by God to fulfill God's purpose in the world. And not only that, but the second idea of the word, he's saying that, that Jesus is someone really significant for everyone. For Jews and for Gentiles, for, for everyone, Jesus is someone who is significant. Someone who should really have everyone's attention. That's who Jesus is. He's the word. He's the word who demands the attention of all peoples. This morning, maybe you're here and uh, you don't really know much about Jesus. Maybe you're in church because you want to find out more. Maybe you're in church because you, you want to celebrate Christmas. But maybe you're in church this morning and you really know very little about the Word. You know very little about Jesus. You know very little about the baby in the manger who grew to be a man who died on a cross. Well, if that's you, I want to encourage you to find out more about him. 
Find out more about this baby who was born in the manger. Find out about his claims. Find out about his life. Find out about his death. Find out why he was here. Because Jesus is the most significant person who has ever walked the face of the earth. And he deserves your attention. And he deserves you taking some time to find out about him. If you're here this morning and you'd like to do that and you don't know how to do it, maybe you'd like to find out more about Jesus but you're not sure how, just speak to me after the service or send me a message or get in touch because we'll arrange for someone to meet with you and to open up the Bible and to explore who Jesus is with you. But Jesus is is not just a baby born in a manger, not just a, a normal person like one of us, but he is the word, says John. But then John, he goes right off at the deep end. Because he doesn't just stop by saying that Jesus is the Word. He goes on and he makes some really mind-blowing claims about Jesus. Because the next thing that John says, he says that Jesus existed before he was born. Isn't that a weird thought? John says that Jesus actually existed before he was born in the manger. And again, you see that at the beginning. Look at verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, in the beginning. Do those words ring a bell to you? I'm sure they do. Those are the words that are found right at the start of the Bible when God tells us about how the world was made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the Bible starts. Well, John says here, listen, you see in the beginning, the Word was there. In the beginning, when when God made the heavens and the earth, well, you see, right at that time, Jesus was there. The Word was in existence. Somehow, some mind-boggling, difficult way, we can't really understand it, but somehow, before Jesus was born, He existed at the beginning. That's what John claimed here. That before time and space existed, Jesus did. That before plants and animals existed, Jesus did. That somehow before he was born, the Word existed. Um, Some of you here will know that I have an almost 12-week-old baby called Patrick. And I just want to apologize that the thank you cards for the presents have not come out yet. We've been quite busy, but they will come eventually. But we have this wonderful 12-year-old baby, and he's brilliant. But it's really interesting because Joshua, whenever he was born, or whenever he was in uh, Emma's tummy, Joshua had this idea that before that, Patrick was somehow in heaven. He had this idea that Patrick somehow existed before, you know, being put into his mummy's tummy. And I had to explain, no, Joshua, it doesn't work like that. You know, he, he's just existed for the first time in Emma's tummy. But in his little mind, you know, Patrick had existed in heaven before he was born. But amazingly, my six-year-old kind of gets what John's saying about Jesus here. It doesn't seem strange to my six-year-old, this idea. It seems perfectly and utterly reasonable somehow. He, He can grasp the mystery. But this is the mystery. That this baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, that the word somehow existed before he was even born. And then John says that he he didn't just exist, but it says that, that he was with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word 
was with God. It's, it's like he's in this wonderful, loving relationship with God. He's enjoying a relationship with God. That's what, that's what John says the Word was doing in the beginning, enjoying this relationship with God, this special, intimate, face-to-face relationship. But then John takes it a step further and he says, not only was the Word in the beginning, and not only was he with God, but the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now what I could do here is I could take a sidebar, and I could try to explain to you in very rational and reasonable terms, the idea of the Trinity, the idea that God is three in one and and one in three. I could do that and, and try to explain this all away, but I'd be missing the point here. Because I'm not meant to do that with this part of the Bible. Instead, what I'm meant to do is let this sit with you. The baby in the manger, John says, was God. God come to earth. God has come down and God has somehow become one of us. Can you understand that? I really hope you can't. Can you get your head around that? I really hope you can't. Are you confused and baffled by that? I really hope you are. Because this is mind-boggling stuff. This is mysterious and it's miraculous. And do you know what it's meant to make us do? It's meant to make us take a step back and go, whoa, this is incredible. This is incredible. I only have one application to this sermon this morning. And the application is this. I just want you to marvel. I just want you to marvel at what John says here. I just want you to to marvel that the baby in the manger was God himself come down. Do you know, one of the sad things about Christmas is that it can lose its wonder. I remember as a a child being told about Santa Claus. (laughs) And that year for me, Christmas lost its wonder. For some of you, whenever your children grew up and left home, Christmas kind of lost its wonder. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can lose our wonder at Jesus, can't we? I know I can I can lose my wonder at Jesus. I become familiar with Jesus. I become familiar with being a Christian. I try to live his way and I'm glad to be a Christian, but I lose the sense of awe and I lose the sense of wonder. But this morning, all I want you to do is to to really sit back and to marvel at Jesus, to be astonished by him, to be amazed by him again. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you find that your heart is growing hard towards Jesus. I mean, he's still in your life, but there's a, a hardness of heart towards him. 
Maybe you wish that he, he wasn't in your life. Maybe you wish that he, he wasn't your king and your Lord. Maybe you wish that you weren't a Christian. Maybe you're here this morning and your heart is heart. Or maybe you're here and it's not so much a hardness of heart, but you're cynical and you're skeptical. You're cynical this morning and you're skeptical. You know, you, you read about Christmas and you read about Jesus and you read about him being the word and you hear these words about him being God and, and you just find yourself have got a, a sense of skepticism and cynicism this morning. Well, can I just say that, that those things are normal sometimes in the Christian life? You, you don't need to beat yourself up about having those things, having that type of heart or, or having that type of mind just now. But what I want to say is that you're missing out you're missing out because Jesus is glorious and wonderful and if we will just soften our hearts and open our minds and look to him again and marvel at him, we will find such joy and delight in this Christmas season. I love the hymn, Once in Royal David's City. And the second verse of that, it sums up exactly what we've heard this morning. He, that's God, he came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and his shelter was a stable, and his, and his cradle was a stall. This morning, the only thing I want you to do is to marvel once more at Jesus. How might you do that? The first thing I want to encourage you to do is to, to take some time of stillness and silence over the coming days and weeks. Life is busy, life is crazy. Especially around this time of year, it's silly season, so much to do, so many people to see, so many things to organize. What I want to encourage you to do though is to, to take a moment every day of stillness and silence. And in that moment of stillness and silence, simply think about this mystery. Take some time and ponder who Jesus is. Maybe get an Advent devotional this year. And again, on the website, on the 1st of December, there'll be some resources there that you can use. But take some time to, to read about Jesus and to reflect on him and to, to marvel at him. Why don't you sing some songs over the coming weeks and months? Tune in to Spotify and listen to an Advent playlist or sing some of the great Christmas hymns. Sing them out loud in your kitchen, in your living room, in your bathroom, and you're having a shower, wherever you like to sing, sing there. And use those songs to marvel at Jesus. But marvel, marvel at him this Christmas because as you do, the wonder, the wonder will return. Let's pray together. Lord God, our heads are just unable to understand the, the mystery and the miracle of Christmas. We, we can't get our heads around the fact that, that God came down. We, we can't get our heads around it at all. And we thank you that we can't. Oh Lord, I pray for each of us. I pray if we've got hard hearts or cynical hearts that you would soften them and change them so that this Christmas we may marvel at Jesus. May we be in awe of him. Save us from over-familiarity. Save us, Lord, from just thinking that Jesus is someone who's not all that important or significant. 
but instead help us to take a step back and to gaze at him this Christmas and to be in awe and wonder of him again. Revive our faith, we pray. Renew our minds, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.